Act Two of the Tragedy of King Lear by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two, Scene One: A Court within the Castle of the Earl of Gloucester. Enter Edmund and Curran meeting. Save thee, Curran. And you, sir. I've been with your father, and given him notice that the Duke of Cornwall and Regan, his duchess, will be here with him this night. How comes that? Nay, I know not. You have heard of the news abroad. I mean the whispered ones, for they are yet but ear-kissing arguments. Not I. Pray you, what are they? Have you heard of no likely wars twixt the two dukes of Cornwall and Albany? Not a word. You may do, then, in time. Fare you well, sir. Exit. The Duke be here to-night? The better. Best. This weaves itself perforce into my business. My father has set guard to take my brother, and I have one thing, the queasy question which I must act. Briefness and fortune work. Brother, a word. Descend, brother, I say. Enter Edgar. My father watches. Oh, sir, fly this place. Intelligence is given where you are hid. You have now the good advantage of the night. Have you not spoken against the Duke of Cornwall? He's coming hither. Now, in the night, in the haste, and Regan with him. Have you nothing said upon his party against the Duke of Albany? Advise yourself. I am sure on it. Not a word. I hear my father coming. Pardon me. In cunning, I must draw my sword upon you. Draw. Seem to defend yourself. Now quit you well. Yield. Come before my father. Light, ho, here! Fly, brother. Torches! Torches! So, farewell. Exit, Edgar. Some blood drawn on me would beget opinion of my more fierce endeavour. Wounds his arm. I've seen drunkards do more than this in sport. Father! Father! Stop! Stop! No help! Enter Gloucester and servants with torches. Now, Edmund, where's the villain? Here stood he in the dark, his sharp sword out mumbling of wicked charms conjuring the moon to stand auspicious mistress but where is she look sir i bleed where is the villain edmund fled this way sir when by no means he could pursue him how go after excellent servants by no means what persuade me to the murder of your lordship but that I told him the revenging gods against parasites did all their thunders bend, spoke with how manifold and strong a bond the child was bound to the father. Sir, in fine, seeing how lowly opposite I stood to his unnatural purpose, in fell motion with his prepared sword, he charges her my unprovided body, latched mine arm. But when he saw my best alarmed spirits, bold in the quarrel's right, roused to the encounter, or whether gasted by the noise I made, 
full suddenly he fled let him fly far not in this land shall he remain uncaught and found dispatched the noble duke my master my worthy arch and patron comes to-night by his authority i will proclaim it that he which finds him shall deserve our thanks bringing the murderous coward to the stake he that conceals him death when i dissuaded him from his intent and found him pied to do it with cursed speech i threatened to discover him he replied thou unpossessing bastard dost thou think if i would stand against thee would the reposal of any trust virtue or worth in thee make thy words faith no what i should deny is this i would ay though thou didst produce my very character i turn it all to thy suggestion plot and damned practice and thou must make a dullard of the world if they not thought the profits of my death were very pregnant and potential spurs to make thee seek it ah strange and fastened villain would he deny his letter said he now i never got him tuck it within hark the duke's trumpets ah i know not why he comes all ports i'll bar the villain shall not escape the duke must grant me that besides his picture i will send far and near that all the kingdom may have due note of him and of my land lawyer and natural boy i'll work the means to make thee capable enter cornwall regan and attendants how now my noble friend since i came hither which i can call but now i have heard strange news if it be true all vengeance comes too short which can pursue the offender how dost my lord uh, madam my old heart is cracked it's cracked what did my father's godson seek your life he whom my father named your edgar oh lady lady shame would have it hid was he not companion with the riotous knights that tend upon my father i know not madam tis too bad too bad yes madam he was at that consort no marvel then though he were ill-affected this day have put him on the old man's death to have the expense and waste of his revenues i have this present evening from my sister been well informed of them and with such cautions that if they come to sojourn at my house i'll not be there nor i assure thee regan edmund i hear that you have shown your father a childlike office it was my duty sir he did bray his practice and received this hurt you see striving to apprehend him is he pursued ay my good lord if he be taken he shall never more be feared of doing harm make your own purpose how in my strength you please for you edmund whose virtue and obedience doth this instant so much commend itself you shall be ours 
natures of such deep trust we shall much need you we first seize on i shall serve you sir truly however else for him i thank your grace you know not why we came to visit you thus out of season threading dark-eyed night occasions noble gloucester of some poise wherein we must have use of your advice our father he hath writ so hath our sister of differences which i best thought it fit to answer from our home the several messengers from hence attend dispatch our good old friend lay comforts to your bosom and bestow your needful counsel to our business which craves the instant use i serve you madam your graces are right welcome exeunt flourish scene two before gloucester's castle enter kent and oswald severally good dawning to thee friend art of this house ay where may we set our horses uh, the mire prithee if thou lovest me tell me i love thee not why then i care not for thee if i had thee in lipsbury pinfold i would make thee care for me why dost thou use me thus i know thee not fellow i know thee what dost thou know me for a knave a rascal an eater of broken meats a base proud shallow beggarly three-suited hundred pound filthy worsted stocking knave a lily-livered action-taking horse and glass gazing superserviceable finical rogue one trunken heriting slave one that would be a bawd in way of good service and aren't nothing but the composition of a knave beggar coward pander and the son and heir of a mongrel bitch one whom i will beat into clamorous whining if thou deniest the least syllable of thy addition why what a monstrous fellow art thou thus to rail on one that's neither known of thee nor knows thee what a brazen-faced varlet art thou to deny thou knowest me is it two days ago since i tripped up thy heels and beat thee before the king draw you rogue for though it be night yet the moon shines i'll make a sop of the moonshine of you draw you horse and cullionly barber monger draw drawing his sword away i have nothing to do with thee draw you rascal you come with letters against the king and take vanity the puppet's part against the royalty of her father draw you rogue or i'll so carbon out of your shanks draw you rascal come your ways help oh murder help strike you slave stand rogue stand you neat slave strike beating him help oh murder murder enter edmund cornwall regan gloucester and servants how now what's the matter part with you goodman boy if you please come our fleshy come on young master arms what's the matter here keep peace upon your lives he dies that strikes again what is the matter the messengers from our sister and the king what is your difference speak i am scarce in breath my lord 
No marvel you have so bestirred your valour, you cowardly rascal. Nature disclaims in thee. A tailor made thee. Thou art a strange fellow. A tailor make a man. Ay, a tailor, sir. A stone-cutter or a painter could not have made him so ill, though he had been but two years at the trade. Speak yet. How grew your quarrel? This ancient ruffian, sir, whose life I have spared at suit of his grey beard. Thou horse and zed, thou unnecessary letter! My lord, if you give me leave, I will tread this unbolted villain into mortar and daub the walls of a jakes with him. Spare my grey beard, you wagtail! Peace, sirrah. You beastly knave, know you no reverence. Yes, sir, but anger hath a privilege. Why art thou angry? That such a slave as this should wear a sword who wears no honesty. Such smiling rogues as these, like rats, oft bite the holy cords a twain which are too entrenched to unloose. Smooth every passion that in the natures of their lords rebel, bring oil to fire, snow to their colder moods, renege, affirm, and turn their halcyon beaks with every gale and vary of their masters, knowing not like dogs but following, a plague upon your epileptic visage. Smile you my speeches as I were a fool. Goose, if I had you upon Sarum Plain, I'll drive ye cackling home to Camelot. What, art thou mad, old fellow? How fell you out? Say that. No contraries hold more antipathy than I and such a knave. Why dost thou call him knave? What is his fault? His countenance likes me not. No more perchance does mine, or his, or hers. Sir, tis my occupation to be plain. I have seen better faces in my time than stands on any shoulder that I see before me at this instant. This is some fellow who, having been praised for bluntness, doth affect a saucy roughness, and constrains the garb quite from his nature. He cannot flatter. He, an honest mind and plain, he must speak truth. And they will take it so. If not, he's plain. These kind of knaves I know which in this plainness harbour more craft and more corrupter ends than twenty silly ducking observants that stretch their duties nicely. Sir, in good faith, in sincere verity, under the allowance of your great aspect, whose influence, like the wreath of radiant fire and flickering Phoebus' front, what meanest by this? To go out of my dialect, which you discommend so much. I know, sir, I am no flatterer. He that beguiled you in a plain accent was a plain knave, which, for my part, I will not be, though I should win your displeasure to entreat me to it. What was the offence you gave him? I never gave him any. At least the king is master very late to strike at me upon his misconstruction. When he, compact and flattering as displeasure, tripped me behind being down insulted railed and put upon him such a deal of man that worthied him got praises of the king for him attempting who was self-subdued and in the flashment of his dread exploit drew on me here again none of these rogues and cowards but ajax is their fool fetch forth the stocks you stubborn ancient knave you reverend braggart 
we'll teach you sir i am too old to learn call not your stocks for me i serve the king on whose employment i was sent to you you shall do small respect show too bold malice against the grace and person of my master stalking his messenger fetch forth the stocks as i have life and honour there shall he sit till noon till noon till night my lord and all night too why madam if i were your father's dog you should not use me so sir being his knave i will stocks brought out this is a fellow of the self-same colour our sister speaks of come bring away the stocks let me beseech your grace not to do so if his fault is much and the good king his master will check him for it your purposed low correction is such as basest and condemnedest wretches for pilferings and most common trespasses are punished with the king must take it ill that he so slightly valued in his messenger should have him thus restrained i'll answer that my sister may receive it much more worse to have a gentleman abused assaulted for following her affairs put in his legs kent is put in the stocks come my good lord away exeunt all but gloucester and kent i am sorry for thee friend tis the duke's pleasure whose disposition all the world well knows will not be rubbed nor stopped i'll entreat for thee pray do not sir i have watched and travelled hard some time i shall sleep out the rest all whistle a good man's fortune may grow out at heels give you good morrow the looks to blame in this twill be ill taken exit good king that must approve the common saw thou out of heaven's benediction comes to the warm sun approach thou beacon to this under-globe that by thy comfortable beams i may peruse this letter nothing almost sees miracles but misery i know tis from cordelia who hath most fortunately been informed of my obscured course and shall find time from this enormous state seeking to give losses their remedies all weary and o'erwatched take vantage heavy eyes not to behold this shameful lodging fortune good night smile once more turn thy wheel he sleeps scene three the open country enter edgar i heard myself proclaimed and by the happy hollow of a tree escaped the hunt no port is free no place that guard and most unusual vigilance does not attend my taking while i may scape i will preserve myself and am bethought to take the basest and most poorest shape that ever penury in contempt of man brought near to beast my face i'll grime with filth blanket my loins elf all my hair in knots and with presented nakedness outface the winds and persecutions of the sky the country gives me proof and precedent of bedlam beggars who with roaring voices strike in their numbed and mortified bare arms pins wooden pricks nails sprigs of rosemary and with this horrible object 
from low farms poor pelting villages sheepcoats and mills sometime with lunatic bands sometime with prayers enforce their charity poor turly god poor tom that's something yet edgar i nothing am exit scene four before gloucester's castle kent in the stocks enter lear fool and gentleman tis strange that they should so depart from home and not send back my messenger as i learned the night before there was no purpose in them of this remove hail to thee noble master ah makes thou this shame thy pastime no my lord <laughs> he wears cruel garters horses are tied by the heads dogs and bears by the neck monkeys by the loins and men by the legs when a man is over lusty at legs then he wears wooden nether stocks what's he that hath so much thy place mistook to set thee here it is both he and she your son and daughter no yes no i say i say yea no no they would not yes they have by jupiter i swear no by juno i swear i they durst not do it they could not would not do it tis worse than murder to do upon respect such violent outrage resolve me with all modest haste which way thou mightst deserve or they impose this usage coming from us my lord when at their home i did commend your highness letters to them ere i was risen from the place that showed my duty kneeling came there a reeking post stewed in his haste half breathless panting forth from goneril his mistress salutations delivered letters spite of intermission which presently they read on those contents they summoned up their meany straight took horse commanded me to follow and attend the leisure of their answer gave me cold looks and meeting here the other messenger whose welcome i perceived had poisoned mine being the very fellow which of late displayed so saucily against your highness having more man than wit about me drew he raised the house with loud and coward cries your son and daughter found this trespass worth the shame which here it suffers winter's not gone yet if the wild geese fly that way fathers that wear rags do make their children blind but fathers that bear bags shall see their children kind fortune that errand tore ne'er turns the key to the poor but for all this thou shalt have as many dolors for thy daughters as thou canst tell in a year oh how this mother swells up towards my heart hysterica passio down thou climbing sorrow thy elements below where is this daughter with the earl sir here within follow me not stay here exit made you no more offence but what you speak of none how chance the king comes with so small a number and thou hadst been set i the stocks for that question thou hadst well deserved it why fool we'll set thee to school to an ant 
to teach thee there's no laboring in the winter all that follow their noses are led by their eyes but blind men and there's not a nose among twenty but can smell him that's stinking let go thy hold when a great wheel runs down a hill lest it break thy neck with following it but the great one that goes upward let him draw thee after when a wise man gives thee better counsel give me mine again i would have none but knaves follow it since a fool gives it <clears throat> that sir which serves and seeks for gain and follows but for form will pack when it begins to rain and leave thee in the storm but i will tarry the fool will stay and let the wise man fly the knave turns fool that runs away the fool no knave per die well lend you this fool not i the stocks fool enter lear and gloucester do you die to speak with me they are sick they are weary they have travelled all the night mere fetches the images of revolt and flying off fetch me a better answer my dear lord you know the fiery quality of the duke how unremovable and fixed he is in his own course vengeance plague death confusion fiery what quality why gloucester gloucester i'd speak with the duke of cornwall and his wife well my good lord i have informed them so informed them dost thou understand me man i my good lord the king would speak with cornwall the dear father would with his daughter speak commands ten service are they informed of this my breath and blood fiery the fiery duke tell the hot duke that no but not yet maybe he is not well infirmity doth still neglect all office where too our health is bound we are not ourselves when nature being oppressed commands the mind to suffer with the body i'll forbear and am fallen out with my more headier will to take the indisposed and sickly fit for the sound men looking on kent death on my state wherefore should he sit here this act persuades me that this remotion of the duke and her is practice only give me my servant forth go tell the duke and his wife i'd speak with them now presently bid them come forth and hear me or at their chamber door i'll beat the drum till it cry sleep to death i would have all well betwixt you exit oh me my heart my rising heart but down cry to it nuncle as the cockney did to the eels when she put him in the paste alive she napped him all the coxcombs with a stick and cried down wantons down twas their brother that in pure kindness to his horse buttered his hay enter cornwall regan gloucester and servants good morrow to you both hail to your grace kent here set at liberty i am glad to see your highness regan i think you are 
i know what reason i have to think so if thou shouldst not be glad i would divorce me from thy mother's tomb sepulchring an adulteress to kent oh are you free some other time for that beloved regan thy sister's naught oh regan she hath tied sharp toothed unkindness like a vulture here points to his heart i can scarce speak to thee thou'lt not believe with how depraved a quality oh regan i pray you sir take patience i have hope you less know how to value her desert than she to scant her duty say how is that i cannot think my sister in the least would fail her obligation if sir perchance she have restrained the riots of your followers tis on such grounds and to such wholesome end as clears her from all blame my curse is on her oh sir you are old nature in you stands on the very verge of her confine you should be ruled and led by some discretion that discerns your state better than you yourself therefore i pray you that to our sister you do make return say you have wronged her sir ask her forgiveness do you but mark how this becomes the house dear daughter i confess that i am old kneeling age is unnecessary on my knees i beg that you'll vouchsafe me raiment bed and food good sir no more these are unsightly tricks return you to my sister lear rising never regan she hath abated me of half my train looked black upon me struck me with her tongue more serpent-like upon the very heart all the stored vengeances of heaven fall on her ingrateful top strike her young bones you take it airs with lameness fie sir fie you nimble lightnings dart your blinding flames into her scornful eyes infect her beauty you fen-sucked fogs drawn by the powerful sun to fall and blast her pride oh the blessed gods so will you wish on me when the rash mood is on no regan thou shalt never have my curse thy tender hefted nature shall not give thee o'er to harshness her eyes are fierce but thine do comfort and not burn tis not in thee to grudge my pleasures to cut off my train to bandy hasty words to scant my sizes and in conclusion to oppose the bolt against my coming in thou better knowest the offices of nature bond of childhood effects of courtesy dues of gratitude thy half for the kingdom hast thou not forgot wherein i thee endowed good sir to the purpose who put my man in the stocks tuck it within what trumpet's that i know it my sisters this approves her letter that she would soon be here enter oswald is your lady come this is a slave whose easy borrowed pride dwells in the fickle grace of her he follows out varlet from my sight uh, what means your grace who stocked my servant regan 
I have good hope thou didst not know't. Who comes here? Oh, heavens! Enter Goneril. If you do love old men, if your sweet sway allow obedience, if yourselves are old, make it your cause, send down and take my part. To Goneril. Art not ashamed to look upon this beard? Oh, Regan, wilt thou take her by the hand? Why not by the hand, sir? How have I offended? All's not offence that indiscretion finds and dotage terms so. Oh, sides, you are too tough. Will you yet hold? How come my man i' the stocks? I set him there, sir, but his own disorders deserved much less advancement. You? Did you? I pray you, father, being weak seems so. If till the expiration of your month you will return and sojourn with my sister, dismissing half your train, come then to me. I am now from home, and out of that provision which shall be needful for your entertainment. Return to her? And fifty men dismissed? No, rather I abjure all roofs and choose to wage against the enmity of the air. To be a comrade with a wolf and owl. Necessity sharp pinch. Return with her? Why, the hot-blooded France that doubtless took our youngest born, I could as well be brought to knee his throne, and squire like pension big, to keep base life afoot. Return with her? Persuade me rather to be slave and sumpter to this detested groom. Pointing to Oswald. At your choice, sir. I prithee, daughter, do not make me mad. I will not trouble thee, my child, farewell. We'll no more meet, no more see one another. Be yet thou art my flesh, my blood, my daughter, or rather a disease that's in my flesh, which I must needs call mine. Thou art a boil, a plague sore, or embossed carbuncle in my corrupted blood. But I'll not chide thee. Let shame come when it will. I do not call it, I do not bid the thunder-bearer shoot, nor tell tales of thee to high-judging Jove. Mend when thou canst, be better at thy leisure. I can be patient, I can stay with Regan. I and my hundred knights. Not altogether so. I look not for you yet, nor am provided for your fit welcome. Give ear, sir, to my sister. For those that mingle reason with your passion must be content to think you old, and so... But she knows what she does. Is this well spoken? I dare avouch it, sir. What, fifty followers? Is it not well? What should you need of more? Yea, or so many, sith that both charge and danger speak against so great a number how in one house should many people under two commands hold amity tis hard almost impossible why might not you my lord receive attendance from those that she calls servants or for mine why not my lord if then they chanced to slack you we could control them if you will come to me for now i spy a danger i entreat you 
to bring but five and twenty to no more will i give place or notice i gave you all and in good time you gave it made you my guardians my depositories but kept a reservation to be followed with such a number what must i come to you with five-and-twenty regan said you so and speak it again my lord no more with me those wicked creatures yet do look well favoured when others are more wicked not being the worst stands in some rank of praise to goneril i'll go with thee thy fifty yet doth double five-and-twenty and thou art twice her love hear me my lord what need you five-and-twenty ten or five to follow in a house where twice so many have a command to tend you what need one oh reason not the need our basest beggars are in the poorest things superfluous allow not nature more than nature needs man's life is cheap as beasts thou art a lady if only to go warm with gorgeous why nature needs not what thou gorgeous wearest which scarcely keeps thee warm but for true need you heavens give me that patience patience i need you see me here you gods a poor old man as full of grief as age wretched in both if it be you that stirs these daughters hearts against their father fool me not so much to bear it tamely touch me with noble anger and let not woman's weapons water drops stain my man's cheeks no you unnatural hags i will have such revenges on you both that all the world shall i will do such things what they are yet i know not but they shall be the terrors of the earth you think i'll weep no i'll not weep storm and tempest i have full cause of weeping but this heart shall break into a hundred thousand flaws or ere i'll weep oh fool i shall go mad exeunt lear gloucester kent and fool let us withdraw twill be a storm this house is little the old man and his people cannot be well bestowed tis his own plain hath put himself from rest and must needs taste his folly for his particular i'll receive him gladly but not one follower so am i purposed where is my lord of gloucester enter gloucester followed the old man forth he is returned the king is in high rage whither is he going he calls the horse but will i know not whither tis best to give him way he leads himself my lord entreat him by no means to stay alack the light comes on and the high winds do sorely ruffle how many miles about there's scarce a push oh sir to wilful men the injuries that they themselves procure must be their schoolmasters shut up your doors he is attended with a desperate train and what they may incense him to being apt to have his ear abused wisdom bids fear shut up your doors my lord tis a wild night my regan counsels well 
come out of the storm. Exeunt. End of Act Two.